It's New Hampshire Headlines and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ said Be sure to check out nhstalkradio.com to get more from the show. Uh, be sure to also uh, check out the YouTube videos on WKXL's YouTube page as well as on uh, their Facebook page. As always, New Hampshire Bulletin is uh, one of our partners here on the show. They join uh, most weeks here. And this week we have reporter Ethan Duet. Welcome back. Glad to be back. All right, so you have had a busy day. We're recording this on the evening of Thursday, May 18th, and it has been um, crazy. Crazy is a very gentle way of saying the debate that's been going on with the stuff that, that's been discussed over at the Statehouse Day Room. Parental Bill of Rights is the big thing that you were covering, and then uh, poor Anne-Marie had to then go after it with the fallout and cover uh, all the healthcare side of it, but... Let's talk parental bill of rights. So as it stood when it was going up for a vote today at the beginning, mm-hmm. what status was it at? Because it had been back and forth over the previous few weeks. Yeah. So uh, the most simple way to explain it is there were two separate bills. There was a House bill and there was a Senate bill. And the House bill was taken up in March. And the House is a much closer divided chamber than the Senate. The Senate is 14 Republicans and 10 Democrats. House is almost evenly divided. So the House brought it up in March. They brought up their version of it. The two bills were pretty similar. There, was, there were some differences, but the main thrust of both of them were the same. And the House narrowly defeated the House's own bill in March. But the Senate, obviously, with a much higher margin of Republicans, passed it and sent it over to the House. So when it was defeated in March uh, in the House, the, everyone knew that the fight wasn't over. It would happen again you know, in the next few months. And here we have it today uh, or Thursday. Um, it happened um, again. So what we saw today was sort of a, a redux of the fight that we saw two months ago over a bill that has come up in different forms but has been largely consistent this year so what were some of the policies that the republicans are hoping to enact with the current state of the bill yeah so the parental bill of rights essentially it does two things it centralizes a list of rights that already exist um, that parents have over school districts and then it creates some new rights Uh, so the rights that it centralized it kind of put them all into one statute and these are rights that, for instance, allowing parents to inspect the school curriculum, um, opt a child out of sex education, uh, or other materials that they might not uh, might object to. Those are all things that can be done now. Um, it also allowed parents to waive the requirement for vaccinations. You know, you, you can use religious or medical exemptions. So it kind of centralized this so parents might know that, oh, you're, you're able to do this. You're able to, to, to see these things. Um, you know, the school must inform you if there is any criminal act done against your your child, must inform you immediately. Um, but then the bill also added uh, one other thing, which became the flashpoint uh, and kind of was deep into the, the current culture wars that we're seeing across the country, which was it required schools to, when a parent asked, provide information on whether their child was using different pronouns at school than the ones assigned at birth or were using a nickname that might indicate some sort of gender transition or gender transition effort or a different gender identity. So it was 
a uh, it had it was activated by if a parent were to ask proactively. This is a difference from last year. So last year there was a big effort that nearly made it to the finish line, but was also tanked in the House under a, mu- a much a, a bigger Republican majority than this year. And one of the sticking points and one of the reasons why Governor Chris Sununu said he would veto it last year was because the parental bill of rights last year required schools to inform parents proactively anytime a student used different pronouns or a different nickname, they'd have to proactively talk to parents. This year, they pared that back a little bit so that it's only if parents ask, do they have to respond fully and truthfully. And the last few things I should say is that there were consequences, real consequences for educators that disobeyed this, uh, any of these uh, provisions, but also including the new gender identity ones. One of them was that um, they could be sued by the parent if the parent felt that the school was not uh, complying and there could be, a, you know, declarative, declaratory damages there. Uh, and there was also an exemption for teachers to be able to use and schools to be able to use um, that would allow the school to not inform a parent if they thought that the child was put it, might be put at harm uh, put in harm by their parents if they were told, and they had to have clear and convincing evidence. So there's a few tweaks that have been made to this since we saw it last year, but uh, effectively, it does require disclosure to parents, and that's the heart of this debate. Yeah, and I, I think the big thing that's been super important to the debate, this sort of turned into just a political football big time with, like we saw definitely with around the divisive concepts legislation and the abortion uh, legislation getting roped into the budget bill, but that's a whole, this isn't that sort of situation with how the voting's taking place on this one, but it, it, it definitely got everyone heated politically and to, it, it looked like a three ring circus over on the state house lawn by the pictures I saw with a lot of progressive, basically every progressive uh, political active activism uh, group was over there. And a lot of, very intense language, I guess, is uh, is the friendly way I could put it with regards to uh, pushing it as like this is forced outing of children as, as the backbone of their message. When I think it's really important to mention, regardless of your political bias left or right on this, like, no, it, it's a matter of when the parent is involved in asking the school what's going on. This is very different from what was on, on the table last year. Yeah, it is and it isn't different. Um, so I have talked to plenty of, of opponents of this bill, and I've also talked to students themselves who are trans, some of whom I've talked to have come after their parents, some of whom haven't, some know people who still haven't, or some people have. So everybody's sort of that I've talked to are at different um, points. Um, what they would argue is that even though this bill, the version of the bill this year requires parents to proactively ask, that if a parent does ask because the bill requires the teacher to answer truthfully or risk a lawsuit, that that effectively requires the teacher to out the student, even if the student said to the teacher, I'm only telling you, please don't tell my parents, they uh, are not ready to tell them yet. And so the argument from the opponents was that for students, you know, if they are looking for an adult who may not be their parents, which, you know, some would say in high school, many high school kids don't want to talk to their parents about a a number of of embarrassing things, um, let alone something to do with, uh, you know, their gender identity. Uh, that they should be able to go to adult and be and have them as a trusted source and not 
um, have the fear that that adult would have to tell their parent if their parent asked proactively. So to them, the bill, even though it was different this year, they didn't see much of a change. Um, and then to Republicans, this is an issue about parental rights and the kind of the right that they see for parents to be informed right away and to make their own decisions about how to react uh, as long as it's, you know, they're not harmful decisions. Um, they argued that this is just a, a matter of, uh, you know, just parents needing to know. And if, uh, if a school administrator or a teacher knows, then the parents should know at that point. So very different sort of uh, perspectives uh, that, that both sides are coming at it. And because those perspectives are so rooted in how people have, lived essentially and how and how people have engaged with these issues whether they you know know uh young kids who are lgbtq or whether their parents themselves those experiences really guided how people thought about this bill and then they added so much emotion there has been so much this has been the most emotional issue that i've seen this year uh, in, in, under this legislature, and it was really hard to mask some of that in the debates. They, you know, they're, they're usually just able to do it dispassionately. But when the vote finally came down, um, not only killing this bill, but definitely postponing it, which we can talk about in a second, uh, there was a lot of palpable anger as representatives were leaving the House on the Republican side and a lot of relief, I would say, from the Democratic side. I mean, this was just something that people really felt to their core. And I think, as I said, it really comes down to your life experiences and you know whether you think this was an affront to parents to not pass this bill or an attack on LGBTQ youth to pass it. Uh, it there isn't really a middle ground between no, those right. two once you start looking at it through the, that paradigm. It's totally the abortion debate. It's the abortion debate all over again because it's very hard to find a middle ground on it, and the middle grounds are very nuanced. Like, and in defense of the Republicans for the one of the reasons why this bill really has had some legs this year is because what's going what went on with the Manchester School District where there's a court case around this specific thing, and basically the Manchester School District said, no, you you know parents don't have that right, and it's still in the courts at this point. Damian Fisher over at um, nhjournal.com has done some fantastic reporting on it. I don't know if in-depth is also covered or not, but it's definitely at nhjournal.com. I highly suggest you check it out. Damian does some great reporting. Um, and let's get into the vote. I mean, the, the vote was kind of surprising with, with how it ended up coming. Yeah. So what happened is it was all a head count. So, you know, as I said before, this is a very closely divided house. It's nearly 200 members each, 400 member house. It's very difficult to nail down who's going to show up and who's not going to show up in that kind of environment. But early on the in the day before we got to the parental bill of rights, it was clear that Republicans were short more members than Democrats. So even if they had a slender majority, they, they, they had a disadvantage with some of their absences. And that gave Democrats an opening. Basically, the first few votes that had nothing to do with parental, parental rights on other bills indicated to Democrats, oh, we may have the numbers here, because they also knew Democrats had some Republicans who opposed this bill as well. It wasn't, uh, I think, you know, all Democrats were uh, in were opposed to the bill, but there were a few Republicans who also were. So unless Republicans had turned out, you know, an, an extra six or seven people on top of the Democrats, it was it was going to likely go the Democrats way. At that point, the Democrats made a calculation and said, if you know we can kill this bill, there are different ways to end the bill. Um, there and you know they they go from softly killing, or sometimes they call it death with dignity, um, to there's kind of a nuclear option. And 
Today, they saw that they had the numbers and they decided to go for the nuclear option. The nuclear option in the, in the House is called indefinite postponement. Essentially, when you have a bill, you can pass it, you can table it, you can kill it. And those are the three things that usually happen. But there's one more thing that you can do, and there's probably others too, but one more significant thing, which is called indefinitely postpone it. When you indefinitely postpone legislation, what you're doing is you're not killing it or passing it, but you are putting it, you're shelving it so hard in some, in, in some ways that it can't be brought up again for the entire rest of the biennium. So Democrat, it's a, it's a very serious motion, and it's one that rarely has bipartisan support because it is so strong. And it really, because it, what it means if you pass it is that it can't come up the next legislative year. It can't be debated again, nor can any bill that's similar to it. So I think Democrats saw that they had the numbers. They knew this was a, a really emotionally fraught issue. And this is something that advocates had been pushing to kill. Um, they had killed it two months before, but they had done it on the traditional way. So this way they went nuclear and they went for the indefinite postponement and they had the votes. And what's interesting is when you watch the votes, Throughout the, the day, it was clear that there were a lot of Republicans, not a lot, but significant amount of, of Republicans to make the margins on the Democrat side. I mean, the margins were about 10, 15 votes. I don't have them in front of me. Uh, you know, those are pretty wide margins in this House. So there were Republicans who were voting with Democrats, including on an amendment to effectively neuter the bill. There was an amendment that took out the gender identity provisions and just kept all the rest of the provisions, which are mostly are in law. That passed with a, with, with a fair few uh, Republicans jumping to Democrats. When I say a fair few, I mean like five to 10, but enough to make a big difference. When you got to this nuclear option, as I'm putting it, a lot of those Republicans stepped back and voted against that because it is, um, it is you know, pretty bold, but the Democrats still had the numbers. So 195 to 190 was the vote in the end to indefinitely postpone. And it means that not only can is the parental bill of rights uh, dead for 2023, but also can't be brought back in 2024. It can't be brought back to the House or similar bills until the next legislature is elected in November 2024 and is seated in 2025. So this was a pretty dramatic turn of events for a bill that, you know, up as recently as two or three months ago, uh, was looking like it could go either way. What uh, what's up with these Republicans that ended up siding with the Democrats? So do we get a read on who or why they they went this way? Yeah, there's been some that have had uh, you know issues with the with the bill. There's so for instance, Representative Dan Hines is a Republican, and I believe that they're non-binary themselves. Uh, so somebody who is obviously you know immersed in the issue. And, uh, you know, Dan was Dan had had presented their own amendment that uh, was seeking to kind of pare back some of the bill and also seeking to protect kids who are seeking school counselors and kind of to make that information privileged from parents so that so that kids could talk. So kind of taking the, the bill in the other direction towards giving kids more privacy um, against their parents. Um, and so that that was an, and there were some others. There was uh, Representative Mike Bordas put together the what he called a compromise amendment that stripped out the gender identity provisions. So he said to strip out the controversial pieces and keep the rest of the parental bill of rights. So both of both of those passed. And I think that for a certain number of Republicans, um, you know, not many, but en but enough, they didn't 
they kind of were uh, persuaded by the arguments of that this would hurt LGBTQ kids, would kind of interfere with their ability to come out on their own terms without their parents necessarily finding out when their parents aren't supportive. We saw this dynamic in last year. Uh, so, you know, um, what was last year? 2022, I've lost count. 2022, when this bill came up, this there was also a, um, a, a small contingent, but a meaningful contingent of Republican House members who also were persuaded uh, that the bill would be harmful to students. So I think you saw some of that too. You also had advocates, and I talked to them, and they did lean on some of those Republicans to to really try to um, to to secure their votes. And so they said that they were not just talking to Democrats, they were also talking to Republicans and seeing who they could kind of peel away. And they obviously managed to, uh, you know, get enough. Yeah, it, I wrote this on Twitter earlier. It's like, this is going to be a total mess when it comes to down to school board votes when it, for the next couple of years. There's no way around it because it, it, it's exactly like the Dobbs decision at only at the local level where now the 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 state government is saying, hey, we're not we're not going to make a determination on this. It's going to be up to the school boards and some are going to continue as is. But it's going to be a Croydon situation, if I had to guess, where it's going to become very heated. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where all this energy goes. When you indefinitely postpone, it means, you know, like I said, it can't come up in the 2024 legislative session. Now, there might be some workarounds. We'll see. Um, obviously, it's at the speaker's discretion and the speaker is very much in favor of this legislation. But likely, everybody I've talked to has said that it's it's unlikely that they're going to be able to get any kind of bill that has to do with parental rights because of the, the action taken today. That means that for Republicans, they want this to translate to voters in 2024, but they're going to have to sustain that. It's a lot easier to sustain political momentum when you've got a vehicle to do so in the same year. So, you know, if we had, we're having an election this November, it's possible that, that, you know, it'd be very easy to carry this political momentum into November. But, a, you know, a lot can change in a year. You know, you mentioned the divisive concepts bill. That was the huge fight two years ago. And, and that was a lot about kind of history and sort of uh, talk about, um, you know, instruction about uh, oppression in, in, in American history. And there's a lot of kind of racial dynamic to that. And that was, and now we've kind of shifted into, into sort of this LGBTQ and, and gender rights and that sort of thing. Um, so the conversation shifts. So in a year and a half, when we have the election, I'm going to be very curious. I would definitely be watching school board elections to see how, you know, how much the parental rights fight uh, carries forward. It, it certainly has, a lot of momentum out of the COVID-19 fights with masks and, and vaccines and schools. So, you know, whether we'll see that uh, continue or whether without having a major bill to kind of attach all of this energy to, it fizzles, we'll see. Uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to watch what Republicans do. Yeah. It, it, and the impact that the federal election is going to have with, with the president is definitely going to have an impact with who comes to the ballot box, because if it's Trump versus Biden, it's going to be one dynamic. If it's DeSantis versus Harris, it's going to be another dynamic. So it'll be very interesting to follow and uh, just be involved with your school district is, is definitely the, the advice. I'd say you want to know what's going on, because um, the, the state government isn't going to make that decision for you, apparently, at least for the next couple of years. Right. Well, there is some push, and I haven't done any reporting on the feasibility of this or the interest in this, but I, one thing that was interesting today was that Senate uh, uh, Republicans came out with a fiery statement about this vote. This was their bill that they had voted for that was voted down. Um, and they 
advocated for Governor Sununu to issue an executive order to basically sort of uh, bypass the legislative process and do and pass something like this through executive order. I have no idea uh, how feasible that is legally or not. Um, it, it's executive orders usually aren't that sweeping in the state, but obviously we've seen a lot um, in the last few years with COVID. So that was that's a new development. So we'll have to watch that. And especially as you see a governor running for president, um, if that's something that might tempt him and sort of what that what form that might take. So stay tuned on that. New Hampshire headlines in WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. Thank you so much to reporter Ethan DeWitt over at the New Hampshire Bulletin, newhampshirebulletin.com to get more from them. I highly suggest you check out the reporting and all this is covered in his articles from the last day. All right. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com and get all the back episodes. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten.